Hello and welcome to episode four of the Fix Your Sex podcast, where we talk about all things sex. I'm your host, Amina, and I am a sex coach, a tantric body worker, and all-around sexual revolutionary. I'm here to share my thoughts and hot takes on how and why we're having bad sex in the 21st century and providing solutions and tips for great sex for the rest of your lives. Quick disclaimer, this podcast is for grown-ups and there are sensitive topics being discussed. So if you're under 18 or if conversations about sex and the usage of profanity bother you, you might want to leave, but at least you've been warned. On today's show, I'm going to talk about ways to let your partner know that the sex is whack. I'm also going to talk about circumcision and how it affects your sex life and eye gazing while fucking because it's not all deep, slow lovemaking, but we should still be present. As usual, if I don't run too long, I will check in on questions for me left via the interwebs. So let's get started and let's talk about wax sex because it happens. So imagine you're with a partner that's perfect for you. They're like your best friend, your confidant. They're attentive and supportive in every way possible, but they suck in bed. Like there's variants to sucking in bed, but it's all a bad variant. So it doesn't matter if they only suck. Sometimes it doesn't matter if it sucks a little bit, but you put up with it. The reality is, is that sex should be good and you shouldn't be putting up with bad sex because you don't want to lose company. Bad sex is easily remediable or remember, there's an easy remedy. Yeah, we'll just go with that. There's an easy remedy to bad sex for most people. I mean, some people it might not ever get better, but you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So I want to talk about that. Talked to some friends um, <laughs> recently and this came up and I thought, yeah, that's really interesting. People are out here having bad sex with partners. I, for me, on my side, I'm always curious as to how you got there. Because the first time that you had sex, it probably was bad. What made you at that point decide that you were going to go back and get some more? Um, We have a higher standard for restaurants than we do for our vaginas and penises. And I think that that's not good. (laughs) That should change. Like, you go to Yelp, as soon as you have a bad experience at a restaurant, you're never going back. In bed, you just kind of roll over and take it. Maybe you hope it's going to get better. You know it doesn't. It gets worse. Um, So let's fix it. First of all, you have to identify what's bad. If you talk to somebody and they say that they're whack in bed or their sex is bad, what does that actually mean? Does that mean that your partner is too fast or not attentive enough or... um, doesn't touch you in a way that feels at all sensual or or at all pleasurable or just focuses on their own needs in sex. There's so many ways that sex can be bad. Maybe they don't know, like they, they clap on the, um, you know, the one and three and not the two and four. And so your hips aren't lining up when you are grinding with each other. There, There's all these things. Um, rhythm can be taught contrary to um, any anyone's belief it may be more difficult to be taught but it can be 
Um, and it's easier to dance on beat if you're dancing slow than fast. So once you identify what's bad, um, you have to tell them. And the sooner you tell them, the better it is for you as well as for them. Because if you wait six months, a year, or as one person, like a few years into the relationship, now you're married and the sex is bad. Like you've been living a sexual lie so it's embarrassing for you to come out of the closet. I mean, it's 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 it gets harder and harder for you to tell the person because you have to admit that you've been lying to them. You have to admit that you faked an orgasm or that you pretended like it was enjoyable when it wasn't. So get it off your chest right away. Um, and if you're if you're starting into a new, you know, you're moving into a new sexual relationship. It's it's perfectly acceptable, like mid-stroke, in the first time that you're naked and you are together sexually, to say, "Whoa, I don't let us stop this. Let's back it up," um, and figure out like, I it, communicate to them what you need to have happen in that moment for you to have pleasure. There is no waiting for it to end and then telling them later. For multiple reasons. First of all, that's you denying um, ongoing consent for yourself. Like you engage, you start off with this sexual act with the hopes that you are going to have an enjoyable experience. And that's the mutually agreed upon expectation of sex that's consensual. Um, Soon as it starts taking a left turn and it's not, you have the right and authority at that moment to say, well, this is not... This is not enjoyable for me. You to find your voice and you don't have to be like, you know, you don't have to be mean or rude. You know, get the fuck off me. That that doesn't have to happen, but you can say, "Wait, let's stop for a second. Um hopefully you have entered into this sexual space with someone who is conscious enough to say what's wrong and that opens up a moment of discussion. It might mean that parts dry up or limp. It's okay. You can always reignite them if you want to. But at that moment, your concern cannot be, um, it cannot be one-sided. You cannot be concerned about the other person's feelings more than you are concerned about your own sexual well-being. They should be balanced. Um, and, and I, you know, I think I've said this a hundred times this week, but no one dies from hurt feelings. So it's okay if someone's feelings are hurt. They are responsible for that. And, but it, you, you'll save a life. You'll save the next sex partner. Because sometimes, a lot of times for men in heterosexual dynamics, they're just moving through this life, having bad sex left and right. And they think it's good. They don't think it's good. They think it's great. And when I ask them, what makes them think their sex is great? Their response is, I ain't got no complaints. More often than not. The absence of complaints cannot be the barometer of greatness. Um, so please, by all means, have a moment where you stop your bad lover um, in the beginning if you can. But if you can't in the beginning, let's say I'm talking to you and you're listening to this and it's already happened it's happened multiple times you don't know what to do but you love this person or you really like them maybe you don't even love them 
you like hanging out with them. You like so many other aspects of them that your sex is just kind of this thing you give them so that they can get off and you leave um, unfulfilled. Well, let's address that. Don't have sex again. Stop having sex. Anytime you stop having sex with someone, typically you have a reason. So most most people are going to be like, well, you know, the first couple times you turn them down, if you don't feel comfortable with just being outright addressing, okay, because there's, there's plan A, which is just like, hey, come over, we need to talk. And you sit down and explain, you know, A, B, and C is not working for me. I really love you. I really love being around you, but I really need my vagina to be touched like this, or I really need you to be more gentle or slower. We're going too fast, or you come too quick, and we need to work on that. Whatever, that's one conversation, right? But that might be a bit outside of your wheelhouse. Stop having bad sex. Just stop. Cut it off. When they ask, why aren't we having sex anymore? You can say, well, I really haven't been enjoying it. But then they lead the conversation. And then, you know, that's, it's somewhat passive aggressive way to do it. But it's, it's definitely the aggressive side is there because you have to stop. We have to stop contributing to this shitty sex model that we've engaged in for the last, you know, since porn started being widespread and free. Um, and we have to express ourselves. And I'm speaking specifically right now, um, especially, I should say, to women, not specifically. But, you know, we have to really find our voice and express ourselves. But I know men out there that are also having sex um, that's bad. They're having sex with someone who just wants it over with. So they both might be having really bad sex and neither one of them is aware because neither one of them wants to say anything. The difference is, is that for a woman, an orgasm takes a lot, a lot of, it takes a lot for women to orgasm. It's not just like a long time if you know what you're doing, but there are more things that have to happen other than friction for us to experience an orgasm for men to experience the bl- the joy and bliss of ejaculation doesn't really take that much. Um, they they so you can just become a receptacle for a top male and this you know for a, a bottom male as well. Like if you are bottoming and and you're you're not enjoying it, your top is maybe just rolling over and doing it because he gets you know he still gets a nut out of it. Um, that's not good. That's a really bad way to engage in sex. And it has ramifications on like so many other aspects of your life. You are moving through life just as, uh, you know, just as a giver, um, would not, not receiving anything back from it. All the joy and beauty and intimacy and closeness and connectivity that we're supposed to get from, um, sexual encounters. You're not, you're not getting any of that. So So another thing you can do is you can actually show them. If it's not super dramatic, um, you know, you can let your partner know that they're moving too fast by placing your hands on on their hips, for example, or by maybe they're going too deep or they're grinding too hard or they're kissing too sloppily. Whatever makes bad sex for you. You can often show them by pulling back or, you know, pushing them within the hands in the chest gently to let them know that, you know, let's come back to here. Let's slow down. Let's 
whatever the case may be. Or if they're going too slow, you know, you can throw it back a little bit more. And then that gives you something to talk about afterwards. Um, so you can say after, you know, if you don't want to talk during sex for some strange reason, you can always say to them afterwards, like, I'm, I put my hand on your chest because I'm trying to get you to slow down. I really like it better when you do it this way. Or, I, you know, I did this because A and I like A. I don't like B. Um, and it gives you a chance where, you know, you feel a little bit more empowered because you took a step. It also lets them know that, that you know, there that you're working for it, that you're trying to make this sex a little bit better. So so it it feels better. It feels good. I won't say better. It feels good. I think being direct feels better, but uh, the consensus is still out on that one. Um, some of my friends are telling me I'm a bit too direct, but lovers haven't said so yet. So we're going to stick with that. The other way you can fix it, and this is a very self-serving way. Yes, I agree. But um, you can hire a sex coach. Hashtag hire a sex coach. Um, people like me are everywhere. You don't have to live in Atlanta. You don't have to go in and see them in person. You can have come, you know, many sex coaches are available via Skype or phone calls. But I mean, we do, you know, we take classes to learn how to drive a car. We take salsa classes to learn how to dance. You know, we, we do all of these swim lessons so we can be a more efficient swimmer. And where did you learn how to have sex? Porn? No wonder it's bad. Like you don't have a guide unless you are reading books and um, you are one of the few lucky people in America who are who's watching porn that is made by um, conscious porn stars. And by conscious, I mean like more aware of their body and of sexuality and or conscious porn directors. There's not just that many of them. That's not what you're seeing on you porn. Um, so your idea of sex and how you're supposed to move in sex it's it's often wrong. It's more than likely wrong. Um, women are capable of experiencing so many different varieties of orgasm, but more and more frequently, I'm, I speak with women who get their primary source of orgasm is from vaginal penetration. And that's a cool one, but it's a very weak one compared to, you know, um, full body orgasms or... Um, even clitoral or G-spot orgasms. I mean, so often people are, you know, these big cock or big dildos for women, they're just going right past the G-spot. That's a cervical orgasm you're having. That has nothing to do with your G-spot. Um, they, they passed the G-spot right past it. They did not collect $200 and you unfortunately did not collect an orgasm. So um, hiring a sex coach to show you and to provide tips on how to make um, how to have better connection and how to have better sex is it's, it's a worthy investment. And then the conversation isn't really all on you. You can have it where you, you know, want to spice up your sex life a little bit. You want to change things or, you know, I'm kind of changing internally. I would like to explore something different. So anyway, um, there's just no excuse to be having bad sex repeatedly is the moral of the story. If you have a lover and or you meet a lover or someone that you want to continue to have intimate relations with you have to speak up we are grown-ups here 
And these are grown body parts. So please start speaking up and letting your partner know that they are not doing it for you in the way that you would like them to do it. Maybe you say that they, you know, sometimes it's really good, but sometimes it's not. Can we really work on this? Because I'm going to leave soon. (laughs) That's what happens. You either leave or you guys cheat. Um, You know, if you're not poly, something, this this is not sustainable. Shitty sex lives are not sustainable for most people. Um, I would say all people, but. You know, there's some people out there that just love mediocrity and to each their own. Anyway, circumcision. Um, Yeah, circumcision. So I'm working on a curriculum right now and I'm addressing working with penises of people who have had sexual trauma and how it relates to circumcision. Circumcision. So I threw it out to the internet and I want to get some ideas Um Really as to why, what, what, what makes parents slice up dicks? Um, what drives you in the information age to cut off your child's foreskin? Just wanted to kind of have an idea. And um, I'm going to preface this conversation by saying that I have a newfound love for intact cock. Yes, I like uncircumcised penises. Um, I have come to terms with, after looking at, I don't know, 20 to 30 penis pics a week minimum unsolicited always um that dicks are just ugly so it doesn't matter if it's like there's no pretty face for me anymore with dick it's has a function and this is just me so just speaking on my um idea of of that which has changed because i used to be like oh that's one pretty penis and sometimes i still see one really pretty penis i have i'm i have some and I have access to some, um, to one really good looking penis right now. Um, pussies are beautiful. I can look at pussy all day. We don't circumcise those in America, thankfully, but I can look at pussy all day. I can, um, you know, it, the smell is great. It's a flower. It tastes like angel tears. Cop, not so much, um, for me, but I have a newfound love for intact cock. So, um, The foreskin not being removed is interesting to me because there's so many benefits of having it that seem to outweigh the perceived negatives of not having it. So I I wanted to ask. And I got, you know, the same in in a couple groups. I got the same um, answers basically that would float up Um, at the top of the list. Most people would do it for tradition. Tradition and cleanliness are, you know, those are the top two neck and neck ones. Um, some people are doing it for the aesthetic, um, which again goes back to that pretty cock. The stigma of having an uncut cock apparently is an issue that I was totally unaware of because, <laughs> because men always, you know, go through this um, like life as if they are really, really trying their best. Heterosexual men, let me be specific, are moving through life, but really trying to pretend their best like they never see another man's cock. So to hear men talk about being embarrassed, um, you know, for having foreskin um, when they were in junior high school or high school, that a lot of that is, you know, 
that they are actually looking at each other's cocks. They're just lying. They just want you to stay. Say no homo so much, but they are still looking in the locker rooms. So the stigma of the, of both the men and the women that they date, or the other men that they date, or the you know whatever gender that they date. Um, and yeah, so th- those were the top ones. And I really wanted to. Um, I laughed. I thought I think it's funny that cleanliness is universally the reason why men are not, you know, women are or parents are circumcising men. It's I mean, if if women decided that we just didn't want to clean our pussies anymore, chopping off a lip is not an option for me. I'm sorry. I am going to clean my pussy several times a day. Um and the fact that we know like there's so many conversations about men being trash and and men getting mad about the conversations about men being trash but the reality is that we have created an entire culture of slicing off skins of dicks because we don't believe that men will wash them like that's amazing to me that we that's what we're doing in the information age um and i i understand i know you know 20 30 years ago that was the idea that it was cleaner and that you'd be more susceptible to disease but science has disproven that again and again so it's not that it's not cleaner um sorry it's just not it can be dirty so can a circumcised dick men or people who have penises please wash your dicks whether it's cut or not when you have sex, please go pee and clean your urethra and wipe around your penis and get the lube off the head, whether you're cut or not. Um, that's just, you know, it's just, it is what it is. We have to clean our bodies. Women, we have like three folds down there. If we rolled around not cleaning it properly every time we used the bathroom or every time we had sex, this world would smell horrendously but we know not to do that so you're just, like over and over again like grown men are in, in these conversations are telling me well it's just cleaner because we don't clean one man actually told me that his friend was um went and got circumcised at 25 years old and when he asked his friend why did you get circumcised at 25 years old the friend said i had a history of not cleaning my dick well and so I kept getting infections. Could you imagine? Like, and so, like you are willing to go and be in the hospital for four days, cut your dick up because you're too lazy to clean the motherfucker up. That is some serious, serious, deep embedded issue shit right there. So, um, anyway, I want to start with that. <laughs> the, um, Cleanliness and tradition, we do things traditionally, right? We're socialized to think it's cleaner because science did tell us that a while ago. Um, Even as far as like, even as recently as, you know, five, 10 years ago, people were still, some science was still pointing in that direction. I was um, uh, an STD tester and counselor and, um, and we still had that in some of our curriculum and we, we had to have conversations about it, but um but there's a reason why on Grinder, um, the uh, gay male hookup app, app that's out there, or dating app, sorry, but mostly it's hookups, 
<laughs> there's a reason why there's a box to check for cut and uncut because it is a personal preference. But um, lovers of like in the app within the app, you'll see way more people who are looking for an uncut penis than those that are not because um, because I think men understand their pleasure better than they obviously right. Um, so the aesthetic part, you know, it's it's interesting. I think again, we it's it's the socialization, right? We don't see a lot of uncut porn in heterosexual, porn, I mean, uncut dicks in heterosexual porn. So we are used to seeing a penis that looks this way. Dildos, when you, I go buy a strap or a dick for my strap on, it does not, you know, it's not it's it's circumcised. It does not have a foreskin. Um, it is easier. There's some simplistic you know, value to it when it comes to wiping it down. Um, I didn't think about that again, because as someone who has a pussy, I am not looking for the easy way out of getting clean. I'm just going to clean. Um, that, that kind of blows my mind. The, the kicker though is, is that there's not only were we fed misinformation about, um, about circumcision, being healthier it's actually we are now learning not it's way more unhealthy that the skin is um the foreskin provides all kind of other health benefits and protections but i'm not here for that because that's not my lot in life the reality is is that that foreskin feels great inside of pussy like that's what it does. It's gliding. It was created there. It was sits, was put there, you know, as we evolved for a reason for our sexual contact. So, um, and I don't have, I'm not a, a big fan of anal sex, so I can't speak to how it feels inside of the rectum, but I can imagine that that is probably why there are more um, gay men that are looking for uncut uh, penises on apps like Grinder, and feel free to correct me. You can DM me or send me an email and tell me about your uncut anal sex experiences. I just don't have one that I speak to. I also um, do not um, engage in unprotected anal sex, so I wouldn't notice as much of the foreskin as I would in my vagina with my partner who is uncut. For example, um, here's something you might not know about the uncircumcised or about the foreskin. I didn't know at one point I had to do some research, but the foreskin is actually when it's on an adult male. So if you don't cut it off and you let it grow with the human, when it's opened up and like spread out on the table, it's about 11 inches worth of skin from 11 to 14 on average. That's a substantial amount of your dick that's missing. So in this world where we obsess with the size of penis, maybe having a little bit more penis would have been to your benefit. Um, just saying. Another thing that it does is it glides. So if you've ever played with an uncircumcised penis, when you move your hand up and down on the on the foreskin, it's like a sheath. It's like a magical sheath that easily glides up and down. Um, when you throw some lube on that, holy shit, um, there's a lot more sensory there for the male. 
when you cut off that much skin, you cut off a shit ton of nerve endings. Poor things. Like I feel bad for the men that have had circumcision because they don't even know what they're missing out on. They don't know how good sex is supposed to feel. And I wonder if that's why so many of them are not having multiple orgasms when there's so much more work that has to be done on our end to help them um, help them experience multiple orgasms. But one thing that um, that really stood out for me, especially in Tantra, is that there is this concept um, of electromagnetic cross communication that um, some studies that have been done suggest, and I'm reading this part, that within the mucosa of its foreskin, the penis lacks the capacity for the subtle electromagnetic energy. I really fucked that up. For the subtle electromagnetic energy transfer that occurs during contact between two mucous membranes. That's right. When our vagina lines up with the foreskin, these two mucous membranes communicate to each other with energy and that as the word i'm going to use because i'm super woo but in science they're seeing this and they're trying to figure out they don't know what the fuck it is but it's important to realize like we are separating ourselves from connection when we do this and this is not to make all you men out there who don't have um who don't have foreskin feel bad i'm sorry if it does but but it's really important to know that to move, you know, to, okay, knowing it's half the battle, right? G.I. Joe moving forward and having an idea um, about how, you know, how much more sexual benefit, sexually beneficial it is to have your foreskin. It also, you know, it has some protection um, things for that could protect you from STDs. Um, and there's these, you know, when you buy those ribbed condoms, you know what that's imitating? Foreskin, because foreskin is also ribbed. And so there you go, taking away some more of my sexual pleasure or the you know the sexual pleasure of the receiver by cutting off those beautiful ribs. So don't do that or do. I mean, I'm not here to tell you what not to do. I'm just saying that these are all components of your sex life, of a male's sexual body being and we just are coming out of a really repressed state sexually as a as a people as a you know religion has screwed us up so much that we we just we're doing things without thinking about it we're doing things without having any understanding of why or any care really of why and um what we do know about the body is that um trauma stays until you work through it so even though if you were circumcised, you know, before you left the hospital or when you were, you know, a few weeks old, you may not remember it, but your body does. Your body absolutely remembers it. Your body absolutely remembers going through trauma. We have studies showing that your body actually remembers going through the trauma of passing through the vaginal canal because your skull has to change shape to do so. And it's traumatic. It's the most traumatic experience you will have as, as a human. Um, so dealing with trauma down there as a sexual being is, is, it's, it's important. So if you have been circumcised, um, you really do work around healing your own trauma, whether that's meditation, whether it's finding someone to guide you through, um, you know, traumatic healing, chakra clearing, focusing on, uh, your sacral chakra. There, there are ways that there are things that need to be done. 
And I think it, you know, for me, I see it play out in um, erectile dysfunction. I see it play out in, um, you know, with decreased sensitivity will can lead to erectile dysfunction. Decreased sensitivity can lead to premature ejaculation. Decreased sensitivity can lead to a host of problems, including bad sex. Um, it can lead to you not being connected with your lover in the way because you're also not the the pleasure the lack of pleasure is realized there's all kind of ways that it leads to problematic you know problematic sex so and problematic sexual experiences so just do the work on healing around that trauma if you have been circumcised and and let's get rid of the stigma because that is something that um that we we really need to move away from we have we have wrong information it's wrong in our brains. Um, uncircumcised penises are not dirtier. They're not less attractive. If you pull the skin back, it looks just like a regular a circumcised one. You just have to pull the skin back. But it feels better inside. Um, and so the stigma really should be on the circumcised cocks. It's not because that's the norm. And um, we, you know, circumcision picked up in America as an effort to stop you from masturbating. That obviously did not work. Hello, you porn. Um, but that was the, you know, that that's kind of one of the things that kind of made it move quicker here. Because within the Judaic tradition and the Islamic tradition, there is, um, you know, mandatory uh, circumcision by a certain date for a child. But in the Bible and Catholicism, it's, you know, it's a part of it. But, you know, the Bible and Catholicism, like people don't do everything. It's not like on, you know, kind of more specific ritualistic religions like Islam and 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 Judaism, where you have these very specific rituals. Christianity has kind of moved away from that a lot, at least in America. So we don't have that as much. We It's really an aesthetic thing for us. And, and we have just lie we keep lying to ourselves so let's stop with the lies let's erase that lie move that right on out um it's not cleaner it, it may look better to some it may not that's a but you're cutting you're gonna cut you know a piece of your skin off based on a hope that the next person that sees it thinks it's cute like that's just think about that think about how crazy that sounds when i say it out loud um and yeah anyway let's erase the stigma it's okay to have foreskin. The sex is undeniably better. Now, I say this by numbers. This is, this is a numbers game, okay? So that does not mean there are people that are bad at sex. So let's say there's 100 people in the room. 50 of them are circumcised and 50 of them are not. 50 of them are bad at sex. 25 of them are bad at sex circumcised. 25 of them are bad at sex uncircumcised. The other 25... If you are good at sex, two to twenty-five and circumcised, uncircumcised side are going to be better. I hope that math made sense to you. If not, pause it, replay it, because I'm not going to repeat it. Um, so yeah, let's get past that and let's work on healing um, trauma. You know, heal your trauma if you do have it, because it would definitely increase your ability if you are circumcised. It will increase your ability to perform better, to enjoy sex better, to connect with your partner more once you acknowledge and realize and work on healing that area, um, healing the trauma that you have there. Uh, so yeah. Um, and eye gazing. 
that's the last thing that I want to make sure I talked about today on this podcast. So, um, and not just eye gazing, but eye gazing while you're fucking. I want to be clear about that because, um, and I am, I'm bringing this up because I have a friend who told me recently that she's never made love. She doesn't think. I know Rihanna made a song about it. So I get it. A lot of us are just moving through life fucking, like life fucking. Um, and so a lot of the talking that I do about the woo, the woo shit, it's too woo. Like aura and, you know, sharing energy and shared breath and inhaling each other and doing all this. It might be a bit too woo for you if you're like, well, I'm really not, you know, I'm kind of more like bend me over, fuck me kind of girl. Or I'm kind of more like, let's get it on real hot and heavy real quick kind of guy. Or I'm kind of more like, I just want to, you know, have a, I just want to orgasm real quick person. Like, I get it. This is happening. So what I want to talk about is eye gazing while you fuck because you can still do it you can still be present like I wish I had all the time in the world but sometimes I have to have quickies sometimes my sex is sometimes my sex game ain't on point sometimes you know my head somewhere else and whatever the case may be and sometimes I just want to get fucked sometimes I want you know I don't passionate love making slow Tantric sex is amazing. I love having 17 orgasms and my whole body just being melting into the bed. But, the, you know, uh, I have to work. I got to make money. I can't just, you know, <sighs> tantric love make my way through life. I wish I could and I will get there one day. But right now, that's not where I'm at. So um, with all that being said, uh, we can still be connected and conscious and eye gazing can help um so in case you don't know what eye gazing is let me just start with a simple explanation it is as it sounds you are looking into your partner's eye eyes (laughs) both of them hopefully your partner has two or if they don't you're looking into that one (laughs) so um as you're looking into them their eyes though you are doing it while you're having sex the idea of eye gazing, which is also called soul gazing in some practices, it comes from tantric sex. It comes from um, the idea of eye gazing outside of sex comes from tantric Buddhism. Um, it also comes, you'll see m- mentions of it in tantric Hinduism, as well as Sufism, which is the spiritual kind of arm of Islam. So, um, but you can bring it into your bed. Right? You can. There are these rituals where you can sit and actually, like, if you just want to connect with your partner and you want to see your partner where you sit, you make an intention and you, um, you know, kind of set your boundaries and you just stare at each other, stare into each other's eyes. That's one thing. That's but that's more ritualistic, which I still encourage. But if you can't do that, um, doing it in sex is great. It works. And if you don't do anything else I talk about doing when it comes to fucking do this because your sex will be amazing. And this might not be something you want to do with the partner that you just picked up at the bar. Um, but or you might. It still works. Um, but this is definitely like if you are intimate with someone um, that you are really connecting with, it really helps to um, increase your intimacy it's super sensual. You feel so good. They feel good. It's super erotic and frisky and it's educational because you get to see your partner and learn about them through eyes. 
There's a reason why people who play, you know, um, professional poker players cover their eyes. You, they do not lie. You can look at someone. If you're, you know, when we go back to what I was talking about with your bad sex, if you've been doing some eye gazing, you probably would have known your partner didn't like your sex or wasn't enjoying it nearly as much as they were saying. But while they're doing fake moans and they have their head turned or buried into the pillow because they just wanted to end, um, you're missing out on some key signals. So the other thing though that it does, it allows you to be present um, and it allows you to really feel like your partner is present too. And I think that that's really important because so often we are having sex and we're not present. And this is why our sex is in need of repair. Um, you know, I have a lot on my mind. I am thinking about my business. Did I pay for that advertising? Do I have those contracts in? Did I email the curriculum to the students? Did I, um, what's my schedule like today? Is this my first client or my last client? You know, I have a lot on my mind all day, every day. Taking all that into the bedroom, going into sex and getting rid of all that is hard. Um, It takes some serious work, which is why I like tantric sex and um, tantric sexuality, tantric connection, because it allows me to let that go. And when the more and more of those things kind of fall away, the more and more orgasms I get to have. So yay, orgasms. But if I'm not present, then that doesn't happen. If I'm looking at my partner while my partner is fucking me or if my, you know, or I'm fucking my partner or we're, you know, having one of these quickies, I am now there. You cannot stare into someone's eyes and think about the rent unless they were supposed to write the rent check. Um, which happens, but I digress. The point is, is that while you are, pay attention to the next time you have sex. And I encourage you to go have sex right now if you can, because that's what the world needs is more sexual energy thriving through it. But if you can't go have sex right now, do have sex soon. And when you have sex, try and think about where your eyes are. Like, what are you looking at? Or are they closed the whole time? And that says a lot to your partner. One of the signals that it sends off is that you wish their eyes were closed because we mirror lovers. So a lot of that comes from body issues. Like I have my eyes closed so tightly during this experience because I really hope you have your eyes closed so tightly during this experience because I really should have lost 15 pounds before I got in bed with you and I'm really not going to ever. Um, And things like that that are really, you know, messing with, how we are able to be free in our lovemaking. Um, when you open your eyes and you look into your partner's eyes, you get to see if they're uncomfortable, if they're nervous, if they're enjoying it, if they're happy to be there. <laughs> These are all uh, cues that you're missing out by closing your eyes. And I do understand that, you know, sometimes we roll our eyes back in our head and it feels so good. And I get it. Um, that's different. That's not what I'm saying. But Stay present, like, okay, your eyes rolled back, but come back, pay attention to your partner. I mean, yes, I know sometimes you look down at all the sex that's happening and it's amazing to look at that too, but you definitely want to look into your partner's eyes and and connect with them that way. It doesn't have to be so woo to make your sex better. So yeah, go have sex, look into their eyes, and then 
feel free to email me and share what what it was like because I like those kind of messages. Um, anyway, moving right along, we are going to go into a couple of questions. Um, I'm going to answer one that, that comes up quite frequently and I may have answered it before a hundred times maybe, but I'm just going to do it again. So um, this one, I'm, and I'm not going to read it in the way that it's written because I think this person does not speak English as their primary language. But um, the question ultimately is, oh, you're a sex coach. Um, what do we do? Do we have sex? Uh, that's the question. So that's the first one I'm going to answer tonight. Um, no. I say this very gently because it's mentioned on my website like 200 times. But no, we do not have sex. And um, I'm not sure where, how that translates like Steve Kerr right famous coach of the Golden State Warriors I haven't seen him dribble a ball since the 1995 Bulls um he's a coach he's not the player so I just wanted the simple terms like that's kind of the same thing here I am a coach I'm here to coach you to help you have better sex um and no I'm not gonna sleep with you to coach you that doesn't make any sense. If you're not having sex, if you don't have a sex partner yet, I can help you so that when you do get one, you're ready. But that doesn't require me having sex with you. Some conversations that need to be had. And I do do some some um, somatic type of healing. So there's touch that's often involved so that you can understand how to touch a person. And also so that I can see what your touch feels like um, in order to make corrections. But that's about as far as it goes. My sex coaching sessions, we are fully clothed. I don't know of a sex coach that doesn't do a fully clothed sex coaching session. Um, you could be new sometimes. Like I will have, you know, I've had a client that had body issues be nude in front of the mirror as we go through affirmations. But, um, but that's, yeah, that's what that is. So just want to start with that question first. And we'll go to question number two. The second question is not really a question, actually. It's kind of more like a statement. Amber Lynn um, gave a shout out and she just wanted to, thanks for making sex into a beautiful thing rather than dirty and disgusting. And I think that that is pretty like telling, first of all. But sex um, should never be a dirty and disgusting thing. We are humans and we are sexual beings. It's how we got here. It's how we continue to exist as a as a um, species on this planet. It is as natural as, you know, as anything on the planet. Every animal is, for the most part, not every. There's some asexual animals and some asexual plants. But for the most part, we are reproducing. We are having sex and it's not just for reproduction. It is for joy and pleasure and bliss. And it is a beautiful thing to be able to connect and share your body to offer bliss and joy to someone else. I know this because I get to do it every day in my practice. And it brings me great joy. And it brings my clients great joy. So you're welcome. And please keep going through life knowing that it's not a dirty or disgusting thing. It vibrates so much higher. So, um, in the words of my favorite non-vibrating rabbit, that's all folks. 
Thank you for tuning in and being a part of this journey. I'm working right now to move my podcast to Instinct Radio. Um, We're looking at sometime in March. I wanted to do it the first week, but I think we're going to push it back to the middle of March. Um, If you're not familiar with Instinct Radio, please Google it. Download the app. There are a lot of great shows. It's actually a real live radio station with a studio. So we have call-ins. They have... Uh, you know, they have their own Facebook stream and YouTube channel, and you'll still get to listen to it here on iTunes. Um, it's a new expense. So of course, your support will always help. If you would like to be a sponsor or you know someone that's looking at sponsoring a podcast, has a product, some sexy shit that they want to get out to the world, you let me know, and I will gladly talk to them or give me a call, have them call me. Um, if you just want to support the move, you can do through, do so through Cash App. I am Goddess Female and or on Patreon, which was coming soon. So until then, thank you again for tuning in. Aloha and ahuiho.